Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. Hosanna in the highest. Do you know what the word Hosanna means? You say it. It means deliver us. Save us. Do you want Jesus to do that for you today? Well, you're in the right place. You're among the right people. God has come in the person of Jesus to set us free and to save us from all the junk and sin and filth and garbage and even the insecurity and doubt and fear and loneliness that we don't put the label sin on. Jesus Christ came to set us free from that. (laughs) We're in a little contact series. And if you've missed any of the others, let me just remind you, when we use the word contact, what we're talking about is, how do I get from here to there? And there's a variety of ways that God has put into place for us to do that. Ministry, serving with one another, serving one another. Mission, getting on board with God and his purpose in the world, getting out of ourselves and going and serving him. Last week, we talked about community. We find purpose. We find ourselves in touch with God when we are in touch with others. In fact, I shared with you last week, you can love others without loving God, but you cannot love God without loving others. (laughs) So when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said two. (laughs) Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind and love others more than you love yourself, right? Community. So today, let's take a look at this massive hull of the ship of knowing God. Let's talk about worship. Can we do that for a few minutes? What does it look like? What does it mean? What is worship of God? Let me start here. You always find time for the things that are most important to you. Always. Whatever it is. If it's... Okay, let's go there. No, that's fine. (laughs) Tanner knows me so well. So we've talked about our dogs before, right? This is our our eight-month-old, 72-pound puppy, Winnie. And Winnie had a little surgery this week. Snip, snip, right? Winnie is a wrecking ball. She is out of control, right? She will lick you to death if you let her near your face. 
and she digs massive holes in the yard, and she terrorizes our eight, our three-year-old dog. All right, so Winnie got a little snip, snip this week, and Ashley, because she loves her so much, put her in a little onesie to keep her from licking her scar, her wound. Right? We call it a onesie. Right? Winnie is not familiar with downtime. <laughs> this is unfamiliar, to her, unfamiliar territory to her. And that look has been on her face since Friday about three o'clock, right? She is in perpetual downtime and it's totally uncomfortable to her, right? You always find time for what is most important to you. My thing is chill. I will always make time for chill, even when my wife has asked me multiple times to hang the curtain rods in her house. That should have been done a long time ago. You should see somebody about that. We, we always find time for the things that are most important to us. I like to chill, right? But downtime is not natural. It's not a natural thing, especially when you feel the weight of responsibilities in your life. But if it's important to you, then you're going to make time for that, right? Sabbath is not downtime. Sabbath is not, I'm tired, I need to take a break. Sabbath is a command from God in heaven who after he created the world, the universe, the stars, the heaven, the land, the water, after he created everything that is known, he stopped and said, it's time to Shabbat, to rest. Not because God needed it, but because it was holy. Worship of the creator almighty God is holy. It's not just a ritual. It's not just a routine of acts that we come into a place and we perform as a gift offering to God as if he needs something from us. It's a command from heaven to intentionally stop what you're doing and find yourself in me. That's worship. That's what worship is. If God wanted us to worship, but it's not natural to our human condition, then clearly it had to come from him. God gave us worship. God lets you and me sing and praise and raise our hands and have kids come in with palm branches to demonstrate the day Jesus entered Jerusalem as if preparing for a king to come and what? Deliver us from Roman rule. And so we raise our hand and we sing a hallelujah. We sing Hosanna, Hosanna. Because Jesus Christ has come into our town, into our place, into our life, into our world, 
and he delivered us from sin. And so because God did everything necessary to connect us back to him, he gave us worship. Psalm 133 says it this way, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. God commanded worship. God gave us worship. Stop whatever you're doing and lock in on him. This is a gift from God. We, we could say that worship is uh, theology and doctrine and our knowledge of God kicked into a gear that's sort of uncomfortable for us. We, we could say that worship is when we forget about the rest of the stuff that's happening in our lives and we decide to lock eyes with Jesus and say, only you, but God could have done this for us. And we do that in a variety of ways. We'll get into this in a minute, but we pray, we read God's word, we sing. And just as a note of encouragement, even if you don't sing well, we're commanded to sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. It's prescriptive. It's a command from God, not descriptive. It's not God's word saying, and so we sang. Sing to the Lord a new song. It doesn't matter what it sounds like, right? It's your heart that God hears. 1 Samuel 16 says, man looks at the outward appearance. God hears what comes out of you. I mean, people hear what comes out of your mouth. But God looks at the heart. God hears what comes from here. Not here. Thank you, God. All right? It's a command. And so we do it because he told us to do. We, we all worship something. You were made to worship. God created you and me, breathed breath into human life, into our lungs for the purpose of worshiping him. You were made to worship. And it doesn't matter what your theology is. You were made to worship. We all worship something. We choose whether that's the things in our life, or whether it's God. We make that choice. And so there's lots of things in your life maybe you worship. Maybe it's your financial situation. You gotta work hard, make more money, that's my focus, that's the most important thing. Maybe you worship your reputation. I worry about what other people think about me. I want to please people. Are you a people pleaser? Maybe. I'm a people pleaser. This is a struggle for me. Maybe you worship what others think about you, and that's the most important thing to you. Maybe, I don't know you, maybe you're here this morning because you want people to know that you go to church. I don't know. You worship something. 
Maybe you worship your relationship status. You're so consumed with having someone in your life that it obsesses you. If it's anything but God, it's idolatry. He is at the center. He is the one who desires your praise. He is the one who created you for this purpose. He is the one that breathed breath into your lungs so that you could give that breath right back to him. He is the one who created Shabbat, Sabbath for you. He demonstrated it perfectly so you could step aside from your condition and say, God, you are the one. You be at the center of my life. I've shared this quote with you before, but in his book, The Life of God and the Soul of Man, there is a quote by Henry Skugel where he says, the worth and excellency of a soul is determined by the object of its love. Let me repeat that. The worth, the value, the excellency of a soul is determined by the object of its love. What you love the most will give you your value. So if it's your relationship status, that's going to bring you personal value. And then when that stops, your life falls apart. When the money stops flowing, if that's what gives you value, your life's going to fall apart if it stops flowing. This is why God intended none of it to be at the center of your life. Only Jesus. And this is why Jesus said that in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else will take care of itself. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Why? Because God's throne is the one to be worshiped. None of the rest of it. Enjoyed? Yes. Participated in? Yes. Demonstrated? Yes. But worshiped? It's only fit for one person. And that's creator God. He should be the object of our love. You with me? Are we doing okay so far? I went through some crisis several years ago, personal crisis at 38 years old. I found myself laying in a fetal position on the Berber carpet in my living room, crying, begging God to save my first marriage. Let me say this. I discovered through that process, after I forgave and extended grace and begged, whatever, God was far more interested in reconciling him and me than he ever was reconciling her and me. And if it took ripping this little life that I enjoyed apart, then that's what he was willing to do. And by the grace of God, he gave me a rock star wife who loves Jesus more than she loves me. Right? 
every day Thanksgiving, right? God is so good to deliver. And in the process of that terrible experience, I stumbled across for the first time in my life as a pastor, I stumbled across a massive, paramount gold mine of truth in Job 42. Job 42, Job's confession to God. Turn there and I'm going to pray. God, I pray this morning that we have, somebody has, that all of us might have brought something into this place today that has replaced you in their lives and that today you would show them that their eyes can be opened, their hearts can be set free, that the words and the songs of their mouth would utter a new praise and that today you would be the center of our lives. Help us, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so God asks Job a series of questions. You're probably familiar with the story. You know all the stuff he goes through. Heartache, life ripped apart, children's lives damaged and hurt, and and livestock and riches all stripped away from him. At the request of Satan, the enemy who approached God, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, let me at him. And God says, do your best. And he did his best. And after all that, his wives telling him to curse God and die. His friends saying, you have sinned, you need to repent. And Job going to God and go, what did I do? And God says, where were you when the earth was formed? This is not about you. And Job gets through the end of this long dialogue with God And this is Job's response. Starting in verse two, Job says, I know that you can do all things and no purpose, nothing of yours can be thwarted, can be stopped. Amen? God does what he wants. God does what he will. God will accomplish his purpose, period. God will satisfy his own need and his own soul without you and me. He is the God of heaven. And in Philippians 2, the apostle Paul says it another way. He says that it is God who is at work both to his will and for his good pleasure, not yours, not mine. Job figured this out. Watch this. You know how he figured it out? by having all the good things stripped away. Ouch. And God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this doesn't happen to you, but if that's what it takes, it'll be for his good and his good pleasure in you. And he'll do whatever it takes to get your attention and put your eyes back on him and put himself back in the center of your life every single time. (laughs) God's not afraid to hurt you. God doesn't want to hurt you, but he's not afraid to hurt you. Why? Because the statement, God will not give you more than you can handle. Have you heard that before? 
It's a lie. God will give you more than you can handle every day of your life if it causes you to need him. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. It's just true. Why? Because he can handle all of it. Job got it. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You do whatever you want because you're God and I'm not. That's a God worthy to be worshiped. Amen? God doesn't need us. God doesn't need us to accomplish his purpose in the world. He lets us be a part of his purpose in the world. God lets us be a part of what he wants to do in the world. God's greatest purpose for you and for me and everyone else is that we find friendship and oneness with him. Not that we accomplish great things. Not that we fulfill our purpose and find our giftedness and make a splash in the world. It's not God's purpose. God's purpose is that you and I find friendship and oneness with him. Watch this. Let's go back to Matthew 6, When we find purpose and friendship with God, all the other stuff takes care of itself. You discover your giftedness and you use it for his glory. Right? Not to accomplish something you really desire in your life. For his glory. This is the way God rigged the system. Watch this. Christians can make a difference. Let's go for it. Let's do our best. But I, I want to dig down just a little deeper. But worshipers will impact eternity. You with me? Christians can make a difference in the world. We can do good things. We can serve God. God didn't create you to serve. God created you to worship. We serve because we worship. We serve out of our love for him. And when we do that, we don't just make a difference. That's a good thing. We impact eternity. Why? Because people see God in us and on us because we found friendship and oneness with him. And when they see that, they are compelled, drawn to Jesus by the Holy Spirit and they cannot resist him. <laughs> and they don't know why. Not our problem. <laughs> That's between them and God, amen? But God does the calling, not you and me. But when we worship him, People are drawn to that. That's why God created us to worship. The next verse in Job, Job 42, verse 3. Job goes on to say, Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Who are you? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. What is Job saying? I spoke of things I did not understand. 
Listen, before I went through that crisis earlier in my life, I had been in ministry about 15 years by that point, mostly youth ministry. And I had written curriculum for, for some big like ministry outfits. I'd, I'd preached a bunch, a bunch. I'd studied God's word, sat in seminary classes. I mean, I, I learned, 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 learned. And I, pre, I preached and I wrote and I taught on all these things. And when I went through that moment in my life, God opened my eyes as well to know that I spoke of things I did not understand. And in that moment of my life, the grace, love, justice, mercy, power, might, forgiveness of God became something brand new. I spoke of things I did not understand. And this is essentially what Job is saying to us. I uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. The religious ritual exercises that we perform in the house of God are not worship. What God does to us, in us, when we participate in those things and we're left with nothing else but to say, thank you, God. That's worship. This is why Paul wrote in Philippians 4, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, Present your what to God? Huh? Your request? I need you. You don't need me. I come to you with thanksgiving in your heart. (laughs) It's all about what he's done for us and has very little to do with what we do for him. When we pour out our hearts in gratitude and awe, that's when worship happens in our life. Watch this. It doesn't have to be here. It doesn't have to be in this room. Worship happens every single day, every minute, every moment of your life. You're worshiping something. The question is, who? And so Job goes on to say in verse 4, Hear, and I will speak. I've heard from you, God. I'm beginning to find friendship and oneness with you, God. I'm I'm beginning to find my purpose with you, God. Now I will question you, and you will make it known. God must speak to us before we ever have any freedom at all to speak back to him. And here's what I mean by that. You cannot know God, you cannot know Jesus, and you can call out to him. And in the process of that, God will always answer because he will not deny himself. 
and he will speak to a person and he will, re- he will show himself, reveal himself. Then, once we've heard from him, now we have freedom to lift something back up to him. You with me? Several years ago, uh, good grief, almost 30 years ago, Old stinks. When, when I had when I graduated college, um, I, I knew that I was called to ministry, but um, various circumstances in my life, I just I chose I, that's not really what I want to do. And my degree was in mass communications, a minor in broadcast journalism, so I wanted to go into television. So I wanted to be an anchor. Specifically, I want to be a sports anchor. Specifically, I wanted to be an ESPN anchor, right? (laughs) No chance whatsoever, but it was a desire of my heart. And so I went to work for a Fox affiliate, did promotions, and then uh, then a few years later, I got hired by KTVT CBS 11 in Dallas uh, as an, uh, an assignment editor. So I was on the news desk, and then I got to ride in the chopper, right? The chopper, the eye in the sky, that's what they call it. <laughs> Weird. And, and so, and, and then I was reporting back to the producers, you know, what, like a wreck or whatever, um, Lollapalooza, big concert in the Dallas area, by the way, circled that thing like 12 times because we got bumped by another story. And I'm like, after about the third time circling, I'm going, I think I'm called a ministry, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I knew in my heart that I was called to ministry. I knew in my heart I was called to preach. Not because I'm any good at it, but God set my life apart for something greater. And so I, so dumb. I, 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 take this, I take this little camping trip to the mountains by myself and uh, I'm going to seek God, which was true, but also to be in the mountains by myself. And I'm up on top of this mountain, literally 20 six years old. I'm up on top of this mountain yelling at God. What do you want from me? I like my life. I want to walk away from that. And so I'm thumbing through scripture. Have you ever done this? I'm just kind of looking around. God, speak to me somehow. I mean, oh, here's Psalm 23. Right? You know, I'm reading, the Lord's my shepherd. I will not want. That's good. Right, flipping around. Get to, John, uh, get to Jeremiah 29. Because verse 11, everybody knows, right? But I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I'm like, oh, that's good. But what do you want from me? Right? I look at verse 12 and it says, call on me and I will come to you. What do you want from me? Verse 13 says, when you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. What do you want from me? I'm seeking. And then verse 14, he goes on to say, And I will come to you 
and deliver you back to the place from which I exiled you. I didn't even know it. My own selfishness, my own sin, my own disobedience had exiled me from pastoral ministry, preaching ministry. And God says, when you seek me, you will find me. I will come to you and I will deliver you back to the place from which you had been exiled. He gave me a second chance. Thank you. Hallelujah. I hope the river is saying the same thing. We find him when we seek him. When we question him, he will answer us. This is the way God rigged the system. In fact, in Psalm 16, David said, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. When you seek me, you will find me. And you know what happens when you find him? You worship him. (laughs) You can't help but worship him because you found the one thing that really matters. Not your job, not your children, not your security, not your future, not your marriage, not your boyfriend. None of it helps you to find purpose that cannot be thwarted. Only God. And that is worthy of our worship. Verse 5, he goes on to say, we're, we're going to wrap up here shortly. Job 42.5, he says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. You know what the difference is? Before, Job knew about God. But in the struggle... Job found God. Before he knew about him, now he knows him. This is God's desire for you and me. That we not just know about him, but that we know him. Have you heard of him? Have you heard about him? Have you seen God at work? When you see God at work, there's no denying it. There's no mistaking. This is God. No mistaking that. In Colossians 1, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Why? Because things above, that's, where Jesus, the one worthy of our worship, is seated. As sweet as it is for children to say, Jesus is not in our hearts. We remember him, but he he doesn't reside here. The Holy Spirit resides here. You know where Jesus is, right? Preparing a place for us. Because this world is going to come to an end. And Jesus is there making ready for us as the groom of a bride who needs someone to prepare a place for him, for her, for them. 
you can see God. You can see Jesus if that is the desire of your heart. Because he will be found. We see God in a variety of ways. Today we have a privilege of exercising two ordinances that Jesus set apart for us as the church. Baptism and communion. We're going to practice and exercise both of those and witness those today. So my question for you would be, will you take this moment, take this opportunity to find him? Not just religious exercise, but to see him. We don't just listen, we watch. We don't just know about, we know. When Jesus assembled his followers in the upper room, he took a cup of wine, he raised that cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Your old covenant was the law, which you failed to obey. Right? You failed under the law because you could not keep every law. You could not keep all the commands. But the cup of the new covenant is my blood poured out for you so that you no longer live under law, but now you live under grace. Jesus Christ made a way for us so that we could be a part of his purpose that will never be thwarted. So that we could speak of things and understand it is God who did that. And we call on him. He hears us and he responds. He answers us. We no longer just hear him, now we see him because of this grace. And then he took the bread and he said, this bread is my body, which has been broken for you. Why do those things matter? Because the wage of sin, the cost of sin is death. But the gift of God in the person of Jesus Christ is what? Salvation. Under no other name, by no other name in heaven and earth, can we be saved. Only Jesus. So his body, his blood, broken and poured out for us. This is why, because it's so important that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 says, do not Receive this in an unworthy manner. Prepare your hearts. So I want you to prepare your hearts. And when you're ready, when you've come before the Lord and said, okay, God, I'm not perfect, but I'm perfectly one with you. And approach the tables. We have tables in each of the corners. Go get bread, go get juice, you, you as a family, and then take that communion together and give 
thanks. You ready for that? Let's celebrate this together. Let me pray. God, I pray that in the next few moments, as we prepare to approach your table, your cross, your body, your grace, make us ready. And let us do this in remembrance of you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.